You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. The confirmation of the relationship between the enzyme ACAT2 and low-density lipoproteins, or LDL, otherwise known as the infamous bad cholesterol, may point to a new way of treating hardening of the arteries. A new study in mice raises a tantalizing possibility. By inhibiting ACAT2, will we one day be able to eat any kind of fat we want without raising our risk of heart disease? Welcome to Lipid Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Dr. Larry Rudell, Professor of Pathology and Section Head for Lipid Sciences at Wake Forest University School of Medicine. He has conducted NIH-funded research on how to use diet in the prevention of heart disease in animal models for over 30 years. He has pioneered the use of primate and genetically engineered mouse models for this research. Dr. Rudell, I'm curious what has fascinated you by these enzymes, ACAT1, ACAT2, that has made you dedicate your life to these? The contribution of ACAT1 and ACAT2 to circulating cholesterol sort of was suggested to us by data that we derived when we fed different kinds of dietary fatty acids to animals. So what is exactly the difference between the two ACATs, 1 and 2? ACAT1 is an enzyme that's found in almost all cell types in the body and seems to buffer the availability of cholesterol for membrane insertion. Cholesterol serves in cell membranes of all cells to help for the membrane to be a barrier for water so inside the cell stays separate from outside the cell. And that's ACAT1. That's ACAT1. ACAT2 is only found in two cell types in the body. It serves the same function in those two cell types, but in the hepatocyte liver cell and in the enterocyte or intestinal cell, ACAT2 seems to make cholesterol ready for secretion in lipoprotein particles for circulation in the body. So it seems like an ideal target, perhaps, for lowering LDL levels. Yes. When we first started studying ACATs, we did not realize that ACAT2 had this unique distribution, but it strongly suggests that it has a role in, in secretion and transport of cholesterol in the circulation. Dr. Rudell, can you tell us a little bit about the study you did that kind of helped to define the role of dietary fat and ACAT2 in the development of CAD in mice? We have bioengineered mice for years, and these days you can make mice susceptible to atherosclerosis by modifying genes for the LDL receptor, which is the way bad cholesterol is cleared from the blood. We make the ApoB portion of that LDL particle more like it is in humans. That's done as a background to all mice. And when we feed those mice really a low cholesterol diet, any diet we want to, their plasma cholesterol goes high and they tend to get hardening of the arteries. When we then add a gene modification such as ACAT2 gene deletion to these mice, we can investigate whether or not the ACAT2 deletion affects hardening of the arteries. We have noticed in these mice in previous studies that dietary fatty acid effects on hardening of the arteries are similar to what's been described for humans. So trans fatty acids, saturated fatty acids, and even monounsaturated fatty acids tend to promote more atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries. Polyunsaturated fats, including fish oils, N-6 or vegetable oils, 
protect the arteries from atherosclerosis. So we noticed that in mice. So then we thought, wow, wonder if you took ACAT2 out of the mouse, would all these different effects that we're used to seeing in mice and other animals still be there or would they go away? We tried it and to our amazement, all the differences among the fatty acids went away and a very low basal level of atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries actually resulted. So It didn't matter what you fed these mice. We could feed saturated fat and it didn't seem to bother them any more than N-3 or fish oil. So you could pour Oreos into their bodies and it wouldn't matter. It looked like it, yes. These were the skinniest mice known to mankind. The body weights are normal. Taking ACAT2 out does not really change the body weight but it does change the circulation of cholesterol in the blood and, and the accumulation in the artery. Now, what about histologically? Is atherosclerosis the same in mice as it is in human beings? Is it under the intima or is it on top of the intima in mice? It's in the intimal location that's typical of humans. The lesions have many similarities to atherosclerosis or lesions in humans, and there's more fatty streak-type lesions than the complicated lesions we see in people, but we think it's representative of at least early atherosclerosis in man. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell, and today I'm with Dr. Rudell, professor of pathology and section head for lipid sciences at Wake Forest University School of Medicine. We're talking about ACAT2 and its effect on skinny mice. Dr. Rudell, does a person's genetic makeup determine their ACAT2 level? Is this something that we are born with, or is it something we can change? As far as we know, everybody has ACAT2. It's found in the liver and in the intestine. We have some data on ACAT2 levels in different people. We know, for example, that women have lower ACAT2 levels than men, but there's about a tenfold range of variability among individuals, so it seems to be highly genetically determined. Well, don't women historically just have a higher BMI than men? They might have a higher BMI. They also have natural protection to heart disease, and we're kind of suspicious that ACAT2 may be part of that protection. So the million-dollar question to me as I as I listen to this is, can we or have we developed some sort of agent to attack ACAT2? Is it in development? Are you working on it? We are working specifically on the enzyme protein to try to identify a way to inhibit the enzyme. We have used uh, gene knockdown studies where you can administer a compound, uh, in this case to mice or monkeys, and limit the amount of ACAT2 protein made, and we can protect the mice from development of atherosclerosis when we do that, that suggests a treatment like that could work in humans. Small molecule inhibitors have not been discovered yet. ACAT2 inhibition is an old question for the pharmaceutical industry, but specifically ACAT2 inhibition hasn't been attempted before. And we've interested in one large pharma company in starting such a program, and so that has started. So we need those small molecule inhibitors because it should benefit. Are you aware of any downside to inhibiting ACAT2, any untoward effects that you can't anticipate? You know, we're not. Interestingly enough, in mice in which ACAT1 has been knocked out or deleted, 
there are detrimental side effects that accumulate in those mice. And obviously, every cell in the body needs ACAT1, so it would seem to have more side effects if you're knocking that out than ACAT2. We have ACAT2. We have genetically inherited it. We need it. So has it gone awry? Has it gone haywire? Why do you think it needs to be blocked? That's a very hard question to answer. We've thought about that a lot. Our data almost puts us in the position of saying, why do we even have it? We seem to be better off without it. And so we don't know. I mean, making cholesterol soluble or insoluble for membranes is presumably a function of ACAT2 as well as ACAT1. Transporting lipoproteins seems to be a way to move cholesterol between cells, and so ACAT2 serves that function. In reality, when you get to our diet and pathology, uh, it seems that we could do without it. Is, Is ACAT2 involved in reverse cholesterol transport? In concept, yes, because when cholesterol returns to the liver, it can be re-esterified by ACAT2 and stored in the liver as a droplet, sort of, you know, in case there's an overload. So it could be, but in terms of moving the cholesterol that comes back to the liver into bile to get it out of the body, ACAT2 wouldn't be involved in that process. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and today... I'm with Dr. Rudell, Professor of Pathology and Section Head for Lipid Sciences at Wake Forest University School of Medicine. We're talking about ACAT2 and its effect on skinny mice. What have you concluded personally from your studies about ACAT2 and cholesterol levels in the blood? Can you go out there and make a definitive statement? Well, ACAT2 contributes more to the quality of the lipoproteins that transport cholesterol in the blood than it does to the concentration. It does contribute. So high LDL cholesterol is a measure of ACAT2, but more it changes the composition of those particles in some way that the artery seems to recognize as detrimental. Is it making them more atherogenic? I would say yes. So kind of switching the LDL size from bigger to smaller dense? Now you've got me on the horns of a dilemma because we cannot find any support for small-dense LDL being more atherosclerotic. Rather, it's enrichment of the particles with the types of esterified cholesterol that ACAT2 makes. So you say we cannot find that. Are you saying that that is still a bone of contention out there in the lipid world? I suspect that concept will gradually disappear because I think there's a lot of evidence accumulating now that small size is not per se harmful. You do not believe that small dense LDL is any more dangerous than large LDL? That is correct. If anything, I think large LDL may be a little bit more dangerous, but really it's how many LDL particles are out there that's really causing the problem, whether they're small or large. Size per se is not the problem. If you were to pick an advanced lipid panel to judge what you just said, which one would you pick if you had to pick a Well, I guess you'd pick NMR since you're from the South. (laughs) Yes, Jim Otbos and the liposcience people would give us particle number as well as size, and we can compare the two. And that's really the strongest data to support what I just said, because when you can measure particle number as well as particle size, particle number always wins. It's a much better predictor than size. Are you a fan of, of adding ApoBs to a standard lipid panel? 
I'm not sure it's going to benefit individual patients as much as it benefits us doing studies to understand clinical significance. So take us forward a few years, Dr. Rudell, five years into the future. Where do you see ACAT2 playing out, and will we be? Will it be in our practices? Will we be treating it? Based on the animal studies we've done, it would be very helpful if we could treat ACAT2, keep it low, and it should protect people based on everything we know from animals. The problem with that is we don't have any data like that in humans, so we have to wait and see if the animal data translates to benefit in humans, but usually it does. So my prediction would be that it would and we would want to treat it. Well, I look forward to the translation from the work you've done in mice into human beings, and I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the show today. Dr. Rudell has been our guest, and I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to Lipid Talk on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thanks for listening.